Now, the Olympics uh, were a lot of fun, weren't they? And they, they swayed even me. I'm not a fan of sport in the slightest. Uh, but I was completely sucked in by all the pomp and ceremony and, and all the wonder and all the glamour. Can I say, I'm kind of looking forward to moving on from the Olympics at last. I think, we, I think we've done the Olympics and it was wonderful and everybody had a great time. And thank you, sports people, for doing that. But that's it. In, in, 20, in 2013, I'm looking forward to there being no more talk of Olympics. We, we can move on, can't we? We can salute them and say, well done, but that's it. But Bradley Wiggins, who I'm sure is a wonderful bloke, he's the first mod to be knighted since Sir Ronnie Lane was in 1967. A lovely bloke, it's a joke, don't worry. But, but a knighthood? For riding a, bu- a bike? Really? There can't be anybody listening to this who thinks... That's a worthwhile... There are, there are firemen and women who save children from burning buildings. There are doctors who save kiddies' lives. Bradley Wiggins rode a bike quite fast over a sustained period of time. He got a knighthood. No, 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 no. Can anybody help Sophie? She's trying to find a chalkboard. That's according to her Twitter feed. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Good luck with that hunt for the chalkboard, Sophie. Thank you very You're much. very, very welcome indeed. Always worth following Sophie Tyler on Twitter. Now, fingers crossed, with a hope and a prayer, we should be getting latest news and sport with Louise Parry. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I do this because I care. Now, coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show, are you giving up smoking? Is that your New Year's resolution? I'm starting to feel sorry for smokers. I'm not a smoker, but they, they, they've been under a... There was Stoptober, and now there's a campaign to stop smoking. I'm feeling a bit sorry for them. We'll be talking about that later on. Uh, new words in the dictionary. And should Bradley Wiggins have been knighted? It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Isn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR, or you can go to the Facebook page and um, have a little Barney on there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR. Gordon is at, uh, at Welling North Station. Morning, Gordon. Oh no, we're Gordon. Where are you, Gordon? We've lost Gordon. What's going? Are we being sabotaged? Is heart sabotaging us or something to make us look sloppy and unprofessional? We'll speak to Gordon in a bit. Date night. <laughs> Date night keeps popping up. Where does that keep coming from? This is what I was expecting to hear. We'll explain what date night is in a bit. Don't worry. There is a reason for that man keeps saying it. Not quite sure what it is yet, but we'll find out in a moment. Paloma Faith, upside down. She has very big gums. She's got huge gums. It's like her... Uh, normally, the, the mouth would be, um, excluding the tongue, would be sort of 80% tooth, 20% gum. She's in reverse. Massive gums. Now, Bradley Wiggins, a knighthood. I don't think so. Hopefully, we've got Gordon back. Hello, Gordon. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Gordon. What are you doing up at this time of the morning on New Year's Eve, for goodness sakes? I'm baking croissants. Panache, panaraison, pan of chocolates, and maple and pico plat, sausage rolls, I like the way you kind of started with the... Fr- you went for the French, the, the croissant, <laughs> the panaraison. Finish up the sausage rolls. Pan of chocolate, uh, sausage rolls. Good for you, sir. Well done. Now, Bradley Wiggins, Sir Bradley Wiggins, what do you make of that? I think it's bloody awful. He does a cycle ride around France with, with a team. Yeah. 
who's pushing him and guiding him all the way and ends up with the knighthood. I don't, I, I, I don't understand it. Because it is, the, the Tour de France, for those who don't know, it is a lot of teamwork and there's lots of riding it's in slips. teamwork. Well, it's, yeah, exactly, it's riding in slipstreams. Exactly. But so everyone else in the team must be at home effing and jeffing. Let's, let's, let's give them all a knighthood then. What do you, do you do? You think that sports stars and t- TV presenters and celebrities like that should they be honoured, Gordon? Or no, does it make a mockery of it? They are professional people and they get paid professional wages. Yeah, that's my thing about it. Years ago, when there were amateurs like um, Gordon Perry and Chris Brasher and people like that, they were amateurs. They done this in their own time. Yeah. These people work six or seven days a week doing nothing but running around a track or cycling or swimming. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. Gordon, there is... Most of them are millionaires. There are some people, Gordon, who might say, but hang on, a British man uh, hasn't won the Tour de France before. Bradley Wiggins is an ambassador for, for the sport and for this country. Doesn't he deserve some recognition? I'm not bothered if we never win it again, to be honest. Wouldn't bother me. <laughs> I haven't. I, I'm, so, I, I'm so upset about it all, to be honest. Really? I just under, don't understand. You get people in the armed forces putting yeah. their life on the line who end up with a BEM or something. Yeah. Which is crazy. It does. I, I mean, the big one for me, it was last year, I think, when Bruce Forsyth got, oh, got knighted. God. What, what is it? What, the, like? ho- the host of the generation game got, gets a knighthood just because he's old. Because the man's a pussy as well, isn't he, really? Well, now listen, do we have to. <laughs> Gordon, please, 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 please. Pussycat. He's really, what you meant there, pussycat. If anybody, I have to, I have to do the, the apology now. If anybody was offended by any of the language uh, that, was, uh, that cropped up in that phone call, then you have our sincere apologies. Never our intention to offend. Of course, Gordon was referring to pussycat, and I may have cut him off just before he said the word cat, so that, that could be my fault. But again, if anybody was offended... You have my sincerest and most humble apologies. We never uh, intend to offend on this show. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, we're looking back at the big events in 2012, and that may just be one of them. In August, Oxford Dictionaries Online published its update... Well, it's, its update of words, and it painted an interesting picture of popular culture. Alex Grundon gathered together the cream of the crop, ready for your next game of countdown. Date night. Noun. A prearranged occasion on which an established couple, especially one with children, go for a night out together. Douche. Noun. In the new sense, an obnoxious or contemptible person. Also, douchey. Adjective. E-cigarette. Noun. Another term for an electronic cigarette. E-learning. Noun. Learning conducted via electronic media, typically on the internet. Manage expectations. Phrase. Seek to prevent disappointment by establishing in advance what can realistically be achieved or delivered by a project, undertaking, course of action, etc. Genius. Adjective. New sense. Very clever or ingenious. For instance, that's genius. Group hug. Noun. A number of people gathering together to hug each other, typically to provide support or express solidarity. Guilty pleasure. Noun. Something such as a film, television programme or piece of music that one enjoys despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard. Hosepipe ban. Noun. An official restriction on the use of hosepipes imposed by a particular water company on its customers during a water shortage. And mansion tax. Noun. A tax levied on residential properties worth more than a certain amount. Yep. 
That's all. I'm reading a load of words out. Well done. Thank you for that. Excellent. Those are all the new words that were put into the uh, Oxford English Dictionary online. No one has, like, proper dictionaries anymore. Do you have a dictionary at home? No one has a big dictionary book. If you do, it's about ten years old. I think I threw my dictionary away. Imagine that. Imagine. People died for our freedom, and I've thrown a dictionary away. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Bradley Wiggins being knighted? I don't think so. And the question I didn't get to ask Gordon there because um, he embarrassed us all with his potty mouth uh, and indoor language was: Are you doing anything to celebrate New Year's Eve? I'm not a fan of it. I don't get it. I've never got it. Don't drink. When I did used to drink. I couldn't see the point. I, New Year's Eve was always the most miserable of nights. I couldn't see the point of paying £30 to stand in a crowded pub with a load of other miserable people or going to a party. I don't get it. There's no point to it. Complete waste of time. Do you, are you big on New Year's Eve or do you agree with me that really it serves no purpose? I'm gonna, I will be in bed by 8 o'clock tonight. I will be up at 4. I will be in here about 1 minute to 6 tomorrow. That's my plan. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and I think I've got tonsillitis. That's why I'm sounding a bit cl- uh, a bit clarty. My tonsils uh, uh, are closing. Has anyone got any little cures I could have, please? Any little fixes that might uh, that might help me? Quick look at the front pages. The Guardian: Grubby cosmetic treatment industry faces tough new rules. Review hears calls to ban aggressive selling and protect patients after PIP scandal. I can't believe that some magazines were giving away cosmetic surgery as a prize buy one get one free uh, the telegraph britain hit by 10 billion pound tax credit fraudsters and gay marriage law gives school the wrong message the leader of the roman catholic church in england and wales has urged parishioners to write to their mps as soon as possible urging them to block the government's same-sex marriage plans the independent uh, prescribed cheaper drugs, GPs told. Inefficient doctors targeted as NHS look to save billions. The Times. Uh, India's daughters bid farewell to one of their own. This is um, uh, the sad story about that girl that was raped on a bus who died. And Britain shunted towards second-class EU status. Plan would strip UK of powers but keep it inside Europe. Uh, the Daily Mail. 60,000 put on death pathway without being told. Up to 60,000 patients die in the Liverpool care pathway each year without giving their consent. Shocking figures revealed yesterday. The Express, new hope to beat pain of arthritis. Two-step plan will help millions. And your stars for 2013, free and styled. Astrologer Laurie Reeve reveals what's in store for your love life, family, health and career. No, she doesn't. Because stars are a load of old nonsense. There's no one that believes that rubbish is there. There's no one that believes. Sophie, do you believe it? Are you, a, you believe in the stars and stuff? Sophie's at my, my standing producer. And any letters of complaint, please address them to her today. She's kind of giving me the, yeah, kind of, no one believes that. What, that the stars predict the future? Come on. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five And the sum... Um, a girl has taken a boyfriend from another girl, and Ratnav, dangerous criminals to be tracked from space by satellites. Sophie Tyler, BBC, Three Counties Radio. Did you get the blackboard, Sophie? My genius workmate has managed to find one, yes. Uh, Sorry, can I ask, why do you need one? Because I'm going to a New Year's Eve party, and the fancy dress theme is tube stops, and I'm going as Chalk Farm. 
So I'm just going to take a chalkboard and draw a farm on it. That's Sophie Tyler there with the travel. Pedophiles, terrorists and fraudsters. Now, if that was a show on ITV2, I would watch that. Um, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Um, someone has texted in. It's anonymous. Put your name on, please. At last, someone that talks sense. Well, at last, someone that thinks I do talk sense. Thank you very much. I've worked for the NHS as a paramedic for 20 years, including working on a helicopter flying in all weathers to save men, women and children from serious illness and injury. And like thousands of others with no recognition, we give patients another chance with their family. I feel after a certain amount of years in service, all emergency services should be recognised. I'll be honest, I don't know if this is a a, a bloke or a a lady. Yes, you deserve a, a knighthood or a dameship more than Wigo does. Listen, I'm not knocking him. I think, he's a, I think he's a good ambassador for sport. He's a good ambassador for the country. He won the Tour de France. Uh, well done. Congratulations. Superb work. A knighthood. There was a fella on the radio the other night, 93 years old. He worked um, uh, as, as part of that team that, that cracked codes during World War II. Right? He wasn't Enigma. He was kind of linked to all that. Right? His work and his team's work stopped the war, according to Eisenhower, two years early and saved 20, millions li- 20 million lives. He was given an MBE this year. Right. He saved 20 million lives, was given an MBE, Bradley Wiggins rode a bike quite fast over an extended uh, distance, was given a knighthood. Really? Really? And oh, yeah, the Olympics this year, they were good, weren't they? Because it, we had the Paralympics, and now disabled people are looked at uh, as the same as, in, in, in quotes, normal people. How many Paralympians were given knighthoods? Yeah. Doesn't quite tally up, does it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'd love to speak to you this morning if you genuinely think that Bradley Wiggins deserves his knighthood. If you think, if you think, fair play to him. Well done. No, he, he gets it. He deserves it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If anyone deserves a knighthood, it's Sir Mick Hucknall, isn't it? Sir Michael of Hucknall. Think of all the babies that have been born because of him. Not him specifically. I'm not saying he's gone around. Wouldn't suggest that for a second. It's sexy music, huh? Everyone likes to make love to this kind of music, don't they? Don't they? I've never got Barry White as sexy music because he's not a sexy man. And, you know, big man like that, that don't work for me. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Are you going to be giving up smoking in the new year? One in five of you lot in the three counties are uh, 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 smokers and you're going to be giving up. Let me read that statistic again so it makes sense. One in five of us are smokers across the three counties. There we go. I'm not a smoker. I have been. I'm not now. Well, Sue Frossel is from the MK Stop Smoking Service. Morning, Sue. Good morning. Hello. You've joined us on a rather shambolic show, Sue. I can only (laughs) apologise. It's it's not gone as smoothly as perhaps it should have done. (laughs) Do you see more and more people coming in uh, for help in the new year normally? Is that that when they they kind of decide to, to quit? They do, yes. It's that New Year's resolution when people decide they're going to make a new start to a new year. Yes, definitely people tend more to give up smoking at the beginning of the year. Is the new year the best time to do it, though? Because people do say, I'm going to start going to the gym, I'm going to give up smoking, I'm going to cut down on my drinking, and then by the end of January, they're they're back to their, their old bad habits, aren't they? I think that um, I think that providing that you set a clear um, date for when you're going to give up, I don't think it matters when. So it's good to give up whatever time of year, um, but it is good to plan to give up. So don't do it um, cold turkey. 
and be prepared. Get yourself get yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally prepared, um, and choose a date and commit to it. So whether that date's the first of January or the twenty fifth of February, it doesn't matter as long as you're you're well prepared to do it and you're thinking about all those times that it might be tempting to have a cigarette, and you're thinking about um, how you might combat that um, temptation. We have smokers here at BBC Three Counties, Sue, uh, and some of them have attempted to give up and have failed miserably. It yeah. is hard. I, I'm an ex-smoker. I haven't had a cigarette. It'll be eight years uh, in February. Uh, well done. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, and it is hard to start with, isn't it? What, what, what advice would you give for people who are struggling at the beginning? I think to, to be assured and reassured um, that it is very tough. We do know that it's a very difficult thing to do, um, but the people do give up several times, often as much as four, five, six times before they actually um, succeed. And um, there's a range, obviously. I mean, there's an average of about four times um, that people need to attempt, if you like, to give up smoking in order to, to succeed. Some people do it first time, but there's a range, so don't give up. Um, keep going. Don't give up giving up is yeah, the, 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 the motto. Exactly, uh, What yeah. about these, the, w- 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 these electronic cigarettes? I don't understand those. I'm not sure I necessarily approve. Are they a good way of giving up? Well, they may end up being something that's, that, that's very effective. What we don't know at the moment um, is whether they are effective and whether there are any, any harms associated they with it. They have nicotine in, don't they? They do, and, and the products that are available um, through the, for example, the NHS Stop Smoking Services have all been tested, very well tested, and are recommended by the National Institute for Clinical Excellence. And, and the Department of Health. So, so at the moment, we have to hold off saying we recommend them mm. um, because they haven't been tested and we don't know the harms. I but stopped. I stopped with the Alan Carr. Remember him, the Alan Carr, the, the Easy Way to Stop Smoking book. Oh right. Okay. I'm always, I'm always slightly dubious of these methods that the patches and all of those things that, that have nicotine in because that's the addictive part, isn't it? The nicotine. I mean, the, the, it's, it's habitual as well as uh, as, mm. well, as well as the nicotine, but the the, the patches etc. have been shown to be effective, and that's the big difference between those um, those forms of nicotine and the e-cigarettes so it's it's about being sure that what you're recommending for people um, to, to help them give up smoking is effective so yes the patches are effective not so effective for everyone but if people want to people. get in, if people want to get in touch with the milton Keynes stop smoking service how can they do that yes there's a there's a telephone number i can give you now yes, it's 0845 200 2323 and is there a website Oh. Um, there's, there, there is a website. If you, if you go on to NHS Choices, for example, or our own website um, at NHS Milton Keynes. So, listen, best of luck. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> hey. Oh, dear. It was my fat fingers. Ignore me. My fat fingers. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Now, if you were listening earlier on, you'll have heard Sophie is, is going to a New Year's Eve party, a fancy dress party. Everybody has to dress up as tube stops. Ugh. This is the reason why I hate parties and things like that. Why would you bother? Why would you bother dressing up for a fancy dress? I, I don't get New Year's Eve. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I think it's a waste. It's just a waste. It's not a special night. Disagree? Give us a call and we'll speak after the news with Louise. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've just tuned in... <laughs> the first you missed the first hour. It, uh, they'll be playing that um, first hour to um, young people in Radio University on how not to do an hour of breakfast radio, fraught with technical difficulties, foul-mouthed callers, and inept presenting. Basically, let's let's see if we can kind of just pull things together and focus for the second hour of the uh, the show. 
Lots coming up, including we're talking about cosmetic surgery. The new report says free consultations and money-off deals should be on the way out. I didn't know you could win cosmetic surgery in competitions in magazines. Have you ever entered one of those competitions? 08459 455 555. New Year's Eve. I don't get it. That's why I'm here today. I'm here tomorrow. It means nothing to me, New Year's Eve. It means so- something to a lot of you. Loads of you are going to be getting the train. We'll be speaking to First Capital Connect about the service. And Bradley Wiggins has been knighted. I've got a lot of respect for the bloke. But really, he rode a bicycle through France. Nuns do that. Should he have been knighted? And Tracy Emin has received a CBE. These New Year's honours. Really. Do sports stars and celebrities deserve them? What about real heroes? What about the fireman that that rescued a baby from a burning building? Or the nurse that saved an old woman's life? Give them knighthoods. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Banning free consultations and money-off deals for cosmetic surgery are just two suggestions in a report of the industry published today. The review, led by NHS Medical Director Sir Bruce Keough, has also published a number of suggestions, including introducing a two-stage consent process and ensuring consultations take place with a medical professional. Well, Adrian Richards is a cosmetic surgeon in Buckinghamshire and a member of BARPS, the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. And he joins me now. Good morning, Adrian. Morning. What do you make of this report? Well, I'd have to agree with uh, the vast majority of it, really. We're the only country, really, in the world where, um, you know, surgeons um, don't see the patients, considering uh, an operation might be seen by a non-surgical person, almost a salesperson, rather than a surgeon first. I'm, 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 I know very little about cosmetic surgery, Adrian. I'm a naturally beautiful man. I don't need it in the slightest. So I'm, I'm learning lots today. I, and I'm amazed that you could go to discuss having cosmetic surgery and you, you wouldn't see a doctor. Well, you would eventually, but you, uh, your first point of call, you wouldn't be. So your first point of call... Uh, I mean, uh, uh, so I work... I'm the clinical director of Aurora Clinics, and we don't work like this. But right. In some um, clinics... Who do you we, go and see, then? In, they're not in your clinic, but these other the, the, the dodgepot places. Who are you seeing? A nurse or a salesman? Yeah, well, they're called patient coordinators, oh. and, and they may be a nurse, but they may not be a nurse. Oh, OK, right, they may not be. Yeah, so the difficulty is that um, some of the surgeons that I've worked with um, sort of say that the patients have already been sold a treatment and sometimes had a deposit taken off them before they've actually seen the surgeon. And what kind of treatments are we talking about? Oh, all, all treatments, um, you know, facelifts, uh, wow. tummy tucks, uh, ear correction, you know, breast enlargement, so all, all the normal cos- liposuction, all the normal cosmetic uh, uh, procedures. So um, it's a bit... It's a bit unethical, really, because I mean, you wouldn't have mm. that if it was your hernia being repaired, would you? Mm. you know, so all your varicose veins, and it's just because, really, cosmetic surgery people uh, attending, you know, the trend to trivialise it and not consider it an operation. Well, I was going to ask, Adrian, why do you think people do trivialise it? Because it is, for the most part, an invasive surgery, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's, uh, I mean, some of these operations are quite big, serious operations, so... Um, I don't know why people do really. I think it's because it's you know it's publicised in the media. Celebrities have it, and people think it's a very simple thing with no um, potential sort of side effects. 
I recently saw footage of a facelift taking place. And you actually take the face off, don't you? Well, there's lots of different techniques. I mean, basically what you do is you go under the skin and lift the under, underlying um, structures up to where they were because every year our face goes down. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, so basically you're just trying to reverse the uh, changes. And is it true, Adrian? I, again, I, I heard this this morning and was astounded that some women's magazines give away plastic surgery as a prize. Yeah, that's very frowned upon, really, because... It, it, it does happen. You're absolutely right. It does happen. So it's like uh, win, win, a, win a free tummy tuck, win a, win a, a facelift. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's at all ethical, no. really. So, um, I mean, in our industry is very unregulated compared to... If we just look at a treatment like Botox injection, mm. which, you know, basically weaken the muscles, you frown muscles on your forehead. In France and Germany, the only people allowed to give those uh, treatments are either nurses, or sorry, are either doctors they've got to be either a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist um but in the uk anyone can give uh, well you've got to be medically trained but yeah. the dermal filler injections anyone can can uh, uh, do them the, the, these are only suggestions we're hearing so far adrian the full reports uh, will be published in march do you think this sounds about right or, or would you like to see things go even further well, the point is, I mean, it's very good having recommendations, but are they going to be enforced? That's mm. the uh, problem. And I, I do fear, unfortunately, that, um, you know, because we've had this PIP issue with the you know, dodgy implants, breast implants, um, this is a bit of a, uh, you know, knee-jerk reaction to that. And you know, whether actually anything will happen, I, I don't know. Adrian Richards, thank you very much. Cosmetic surgeon in Buckinghamshire, member of BARPS, the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. Have you had it done? I would, would never get it done unless, you know, I was disfigured in a fire or a motorbike accident. I, I might consider it then, but I'd sh- just grow old. There's nothing, there's nothing worse, I think, than you see, you know, an attractive man or woman in their sort of 50s or 60s and you can see the stretch marks on the face or they've had the, the face pulled back and the expression is gone. I think he looks sad. Grow all gracefully. It's wonderful. 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Do you know someone who's applied for an apprenticeship in the last year? Well, in the three counties, there were over 115,000 applications made online. That's an average of eight applications for every vacancy. Well, Jane Bolton is the Chief Operating Officer of the National Apprenticeship Service. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. Are apprenticeships, uh, I can't even say it this morning, apprenticeships now being seen as a real alternative to university, do you think? Yes, I think they are. I think you're seeing more employers offering apprenticeships than ever before and more young people applying for apprenticeships than ever before. And, and who are applying for them? Is it, uh, what kind of age range? Well, apprenticeships are open to any age, but the majority of people that apply are under 24, and there's an increasing number of young people at the age of 18 that are applying for apprenticeships. What are the benefits, would you say, of, of applying for apprenticeship uh, uh, as opposed to going to university? Well, I think what an apprenticeship offers, offers you is the opportunity to earn at the same time as learning. It provides you with a great job and with great training and development as well. So it's a really good op- opportunity, a really good offer. There, there is the argument, isn't there, that, that um, uh, apprenticeships c- could be seen as just a source of cheap labour. How, what do you do to protect against that? 
Well, every employer that we work with is really committed to offering a high-quality apprenticeship. They have to work really hard. They've got to provide the job, first of all, and pay the young person for that job. But they've also got to release the young person to do training and development and support them in the workplace. So it really is a combined effort between the employer, the individual, and often a training provider. Eight applications uh, made for every vacancy online here in the three counties. That's uh, How do we make that a bit fairer and get more employers offering training and jobs? Well, right now, the government is offering um, a grant of £1,500 to small employers who've not offered an apprenticeship before. So for a, for a small employer, it's a, it's a great time to get involved in apprenticeships. But what we do in the National Apprenticeship Service is we talk to as many people as we can, as many employers, to persuade them as to why offering an apprenticeship would be a good choice for their business. Well, what, what is the benefit for, for businesses? Well, they get a highly motivated and qualified workforce, and that ensures that they're more productive, and which is what every business wants. It seems like quite quite an old-fashioned word, doesn't it? I, me- I remember, you know, 30 years ago, people talking about apprenticeships. It, it, they're making a comeback, aren't they? They are. They have been for a few years now. We mm. have over 500,000 apprenticeship starts every year and about 130, 140,000 employers offering them. So they have been making a comeback for a while, but there are uh, more opportunities now than ever before. Over 250 skills and industries are represented and there are over 1,500 job roles available through an apprenticeship. So something for everybody. Jane, thank you very much. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Who'd have thunk it? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm here today and tomorrow. I'm here now, permanently. uh, Because New Year's Eve means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. It's just a night. I I cannot think of one New Year's Eve that's not ended up in tears. or I'm exaggerating slightly, but they've always just been a bit... And... There's a real pressure on you to have a good time. And it, it, it doesn't work. It's just a pointless... Oh, let's watch Jules Holland. Let's go to a party. Let's go and have a hogmanay. It's really dull. I'll be speaking to a life coach later on who's going to try and convince me that actually New Year's Eve is the best night in the, in the calendar. We've had Christmas. The thing is, we've had Christmas. I love Christmas. Yes, it was fraught with illness. They always are. Had Christmas. Christmas Eve was wonderful. Christmas Day, Boxing Day, superb. And I'm kind of keen, the first weekend after Christmas is finished, I'm always keen to let's just get things back to normal. The tree's probably going to get chucked out today. I know, I think it's bad luck, isn't it? But really, the tree will probably go today. Christmas is done. Let's just get back to normal now, please. Can we? If you wouldn't mind. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm worried now. Is it actually bad luck if I chuck my Christmas tree out today? What, what, what is supposedly going to happen? The tree probably will go today, unless you can convince me other, otherwise. Thank you very much indeed. 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I was just going to say, I've, I've tweeted... You can follow us on Twitter, at BBC3CR and at Ian Lee. And we've been tweeting various things uh, throughout the morning about the show, the questions we're asking. The thing that's had the most um, uh, retweets and replies is uh, the quote that someone said about Sir Bruce, Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> that's had the most... <laughs> if you know what we're talking about, listen to the first hour of the show on BBC iPlayer. Because it was... <laughs> it was a real... Uh, a real. Someone was very harsh in their criticism of Sir Bruce Forsyth. I think a little bit unfair as well, to be honest. <laughs> 
Now, lots of people will be travelling into London tonight to bring in the new year. Why would you do it? In- London is going to be hellish, isn't it? It's going to be awful. Are you going to go to the Thames? They still do those fireworks by the Thames. Oh, dearie me. Many of you will be getting the train, and several of you from the three counties will be using First Capital Connect. Well, Roger Perkins is here to tell us a little bit about the services. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Ian. You're not going into London for New Year's, are you? Uh, no, I'm not, actually. What, what, I don't live near there. <laughs> what will you be doing for New Year's, Roger? Do you, do you celebrate it, or are you like me? Do you think it's a load of old nonsense? No, I do celebrate I've got a friend whose uh, birthday is today, so oh. every year we go to see her. She's down in Devizes. Oh, see, that's, so, uh, that, well, that won't be bad. That, that's kind of nice, because it's, it's a birthday party as well, so that it, makes it... It is. It is nice. No, it is nice. It's really good. And okay. they live in a lovely part of the world as well, oh, so we get in a car with the kids, and we, we, we brave the traffic, actually, on the roads. Oh. Well, th- are there going to be a lot of people using the trains tonight, Roger, do you think? Oh, yes, yes. Um, there will be. I, on, a, on a New Year's Eve, we typically run a Saturday, which we're doing this year, we run a Saturday service, um, and then we put on additional trains in what would normally be the rush hour, because a few people do work today, as indeed you are. Yes, I know. <laughs> Suckers like myself have, have come in and uh, taking the, the, the shilling. Free fares from London, when does that start? That's eleven uh, forty. That's to get people home. Uh, we have free fares from eleven forty-five tonight through to four thirty in the morning, um, and we've also got some additional services on both the Thameslink Bedford to Brighton route and on the Great Northern route out of Kings Cross to help people get home. Um, so that's good. There are a couple of things actually people really ought to know yes. because it could be a bit uh, complicated for them otherwise. Black, so let's look at the easy one first. That's Blackfriars, um, because it's so close to where the fireworks take place on the uh, South Bank. The entrance of the South Bank is going to be closed from seven o'clock this evening, mm. uh, it's, and, and the North Bank is going to be exit only from nine o'clock. So the main advice there is perhaps use London Bridge or Farringdon. City Thameslink is very close, but closes at nine o'clock in the evening. Um, it, it sounds like we're being killjoys by closing Blackfriars, which is in such a perfect location. But it's oh, it'd be request. hellish if that was open. That would be hellish ah. down there. It's a, yeah, it's at the request of the police and the organisers because um, the South Bank gets so packed, and um, you just have people going up the stairs trying to use it as a viewing platform. And, and anyway, we've been asked for the crowd control measure to close it. So that's what we're doing. There are some engineering works as well, aren't there, Roger? Yes, there are. Thanks for asking. Yeah, on the Great Northern Route. Yeah, um, there's a lot actually happening. Um, Network Rail is principally trying to, well, they are creating a new line between Alexandra Palace and Finsbury Park into London. Have I lost you? No, no, I'm listening. I've got a really, really bad phone. No, you, you listen. I'm going to let you do the facts. I don't want to get in the way of, of, of this. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. So, um, yes, Network Rail is building a new passenger line uh, between Alexandra Palace and Finsbury Park into London, which is good news because ultimately it means we'll have more reliable services there. However, it does mean that this new year period, there's a huge amount of disruption. So today, we don't have any train uh, on, the, on the Hartford route from Gordon Hill south into London. So if you look at your rail route and you live um, at Gordon Hill uh, or Station South, you will be getting on a bus, I'm afraid, if you want to get to London. And tomorrow on the Hartford route, we won't have any trains at all. So that's right the way up through Watton at Stone, Hartford North, and all the way down there through Cruise Hill and places on the Hartford route. Also, um... 
tomorrow, just carry on that. Theme. Well, Roger, you're um, so, your voice is starting to sound sadder uh, and sadder as you deliver so these dark news. <laughs> well, uh, also tomorrow we're reducing the service to one train an hour in and out of King's Cross. Um, uh, that's from 9pm t- uh, tonight and the same tomorrow. That's on the services um, to Cambridge, Peterborough and King's Lynn. However, tonight we again, we also have some additional uh, post-midnight services uh, on the Peterborough, Cambridge and Welling route. So that's good news for people getting home. Um, and uh, again, there's that same uh, free offer of travel from 11.45 tonight. Do you think people would like to know what the time the last trains are home from King's Give Cross? us the last train. Let me, let me guess. Let me guess. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this um, is going to be in the morning, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's say the one to, uh, to, to Peterborough. The last train, the last train from King's Cross to Peterborough is going to be 3.35am. Oh, you're an hour. You're an hour out. It's actually two thirty-six. Oh, that was, that was not, bad, not a bad guess, was it? <laughs> That's not bad actually. And there are two uh, on thirty-six minutes past the other. There's a midnight thirty-six, the one thirty-six, and the two thirty-six. Of course, we wouldn't encourage people to catch the very last one because it could be heaving. So I'd say <laughs> go for the one thirty-six. Oh, and um, it's going to be full of horrible drunk people as well. Don't yeah. do it. There's going to be horrible drunk people everywhere. Yeah, the vomit comments, they can be cool, can't they? <laughs> you said it, not me. Roger, oh, what, t- what time do you and the kids jump in the car and, and bundle off to Devizes? Oh, well, we'll aim for 11 o'clock and it won't be till after lunch and oh. we'll have a big row, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. It's always the aim. <laughs> when you've got ki- I don't know how old your kids are. I've got three and, three and one. When you've got kids, you all, it's always like an hour and a half to get out oh. of the house. It's a nightmare. It, it's just unbelievable. We've got one who's uh, 18 months old and we've got seven and eight and the 18 months old woke up about two minutes before you telephoned. <laughs> I kick my poor wife out of bed Good for you. changing the nappy. Good for you. <laughs> Roger, listen, have a lovely time. Thank you very much for that. Roger Perkins there uh, from First Capital Connect giving us all the latest information on the trains. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I've got tonsillitis, I think. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I got kicked out of medical school. You all know that. GG on Twitter. It's a gargle with salt water. Oh, not the salt water, Mum! Gargle with salt water, followed by gargling with disprin. It'll knack a bit, but it'll kill the infection and everything. Or, if you want to go all organic, make a hot water infusion with purple sage and gargle that. Tastes horrible, though. Well, the thing that I've been uh, 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 drinking, this is, the, this is the best drink ever, OK? Get some fresh ginger, peel it. Cut it up, boil it in the pan, boil it in the pan, start the pan from cool, put the ginger in, boil it up, boil it for about 15, 20 minutes, <sighs> bit of honey, bit of uh, lemon, beautiful, beautiful, that'll clear your chest, that'll help your throat, oh, it's not helping with this, and it's also delicious, got a bit of a kick to it as well. Ooh, ah. 08459 555. Sir Bradley Wiggins, if you think he's, uh, we'll be talking a little bit later on to Chris Akabusi, is going to come on the show, I think in defence of Sir Bradley of Wiggins. I'm looking forward to getting to Chris Akabusi on the show. Never spoken to the man, always been a big fan of his work. He's always very excitable. Will he be this excited at half past seven in the morning? We'll find out. Do you think Wiggins deserves his knighthood? Tracy Emming got a CBE. Does she deserve it? 08459 455555. It kind of makes a mockery of things, doesn't it? When real heroes... People who save like babies and old women. They're like proper heroes, aren't they? What have they got? Nout. New Year's Eve today, if you hadn't noticed. I think it's a complete load of old pish. To be honest. Really, it serves no, no purpose whatsoever. Donna's from Leighton Buzzard. Good morning, Donna. Hi, how are you? I'm, 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 I'm struggling through, Donna. 
I'm struggling through. For you, Donna, I'm doing it for you. Thank you. And for, and for my mortgage. Uh, New Year's Eve, are you going to be up having it large? No way. Oh. It's a total waste of time and money. Sorry, not for me. Not for me at all. Have you ever celebrated New Year's? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you're younger, of course you do. Yeah. Because it's a thing to do, but no. Sorry. All I remember from being younger is I remember a ter- I remember a terrible New Year's once, right, where I went to a nightclub. Now, I'm not a nightclub person at all. I went to a nightclub mm. in London called Turnmills. I believe the Chemical Brothers may have been playing that night, who were a very popular dance act. I don't remember. And I walked home from Turnmills um, with the Chemical Brothers playing. I walked home from there to northwest London. It took me three hours. I was alone. I was miserable. I was cold. And I got to oh. bed. I got to bed at four o'clock in the morning. I watched a miserable Peter Sellers film, Donna, and I wept. Oh. I wept, <laughs> and that is New Year's for me, Donna. It's, it's just—it's it, so miserable. It is. I even worked on the you know the new the Millennium. What was no, that? What was the Millennium? That rings a bell. Was it the oh the two thousand thing? Yes, I remember. That was big, wasn't it? Yeah, it was popular. I even worked then. Really? Yes. You yeah. got paid loads of money. Of, of course, course you did. Yeah, time and half. Why I did it? But, uh, um, it, it just it, 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 it's everybody is trying to, and pretending they're having a good time. Yeah, That's the thing. You're right. They're yeah, all pretending. Right. I was going to babysit tonight. Yeah. And I'm not now because they've decided it's a waste of money and they're going to stay in. Good for them. So, and well, Christmas d- is lovely. Christmas is lovely. Christmas is great fun. Did you have a good Christmas, Donna? It was really nice, yeah. but my decorations are down. Well, I was going to ask, listen, the Christmas tree, it's wilting a bit. Mine's I, gone. I'm, really? Gone. When Everything's did, gone. When did, when did it go? Boxing Day. Oh, oh that's cold. <laughs> Donna, even, even by my standards, that's cold and heartless, for goodness sakes. It's finished. It's finished. I do, I do think, I, I think once Boxing Day is gone, that's it. it Christmas Absolutely. is gone. Let's get back to normal, can get we, north- please? Yeah, that's what I agree So with. if I chuck my Christmas tree out today... They, they, I won't get any bad luck or any, anything like that. You'll get no bad luck whatsoever. Okay. It'll be absolutely fine. Donna, so Bradley Wiggins? Um. Oh. Mm. Yeah? Go on. Does Very good athlete. Yeah, isn't he just? But, no. I'm sorry, it, it, it's all got very wrong. The chap who, and I was listening to you earlier, the chap from the Codebreakers? Yes. How old was he? The cold breaker, 94 years old. 94. He, he stopped the war, him and his team stopped the yes. war two years early, saved 20 yes. million lives, he got an MBE. Why should he wait till he's 94 to be recognised? Make Bradley it's Wiggins wait wrong. until he's 94. It's very wrong. Um, so that's, that, this is another whole other phone call that could take you all day to talk about. Donna, um, we- we will, listen, we'll speak about it later on, maybe. Donna from Leighton Buzzard, 08459 455555. She agrees. Sir Bradley Wiggins, nice chap, great athlete, done a cracking job. But a knighthood? Come on. Call 08459 455555. 08459 455 Arise, Sir Wigo, really? Tracy Emin receiving a CBE? I'm getting angry now. It's taken a while. I'm getting angry. Well, in a few minutes, we'll talk to Olympic silver medalist and legend Chris Akabusi and art critic Estelle Lovett about knighthoods and New Year's honours. And New Year's Eve. What is the fuss all about, really? It's expensive. It's boring. 
People pretending to have a good time? No. Load of old nonsense. Well, I'll speak to a life coach in a bit who's going to try and convince me otherwise. And also, I'm asking, when, is, when do you take your Christmas tree down? I, I'm probably going to get rid of mine today. Is it bad luck? Claire has tweeted at BBC 3CR, I took my tree down on Thursday. Not humbug, I just wanted to get back to normal. Christmas finishes Boxing Day. I kind of agree. I like, once Christmas is over, the first weekend after Christmas, everything, pff, let's get back to normal, shall we? And uh, on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Paul Wood's not happy. I'd like to know why First Capital Connect think it's acceptable to have all its trains only running to St Albans in the early hours of New Year's Day. It's a good, good point. What about Luton and Bedford people trying to get home? Well, now arise Sir Wigo. The Olympic gold medalist and first British winner of the Tour de France received the knighthood in the Queen's New Year's honours. Here's Wiggins talking about his new award. I've always been very uncomfortable with the title of it, elevating myself above other people with having a name in front of your name. But in terms of recognition and an accolade, you know, it's, as a sportsman in this country, it's probably the highest honour. And it's not just something that comes along overnight. It's, um, it's a result of years of performing, years of hard work. And at 32 now in four Olympic Games, it's, it's the reward for that, I guess, from, from your country. So it's a, an incredible thing to have. Well, not everyone's happy about the honours. The Paralympic dressage rider Lee Pearson won his 10th gold medal at the London Games and has said that he thinks there still seem to be a discrepancy between Paralympic and Olympic athletes. One of the other controversial recipients of an honour was the uh, artist Tracy Emin, famous for her work. That, you remember that dirty bed? That was her, yeah. Well, she's been uh, awarded a CBE. So what do you think? Do artists, politicians and sports people really deserve an honour? Well, I'm joined by art critic and artist Estelle Lovett. Morning, Estelle. Good morning, Ian. And joining me uh, to discuss uh, uh, this as well is Olympic silver medalist Chris Akabusi. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Ian. Hey, everybody. I'm fine, thank you, Chris. Let's start with you. Bradley Wiggins, <laughs> getting a knighthood. It's, it makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it? No, no, not at all. It's, it's, it's exactly the uh, sort of uh, person that you need as a standard in the country. Uh, to say that this is a person um, that we um, are proud of, that we hold up as to, uh, internationally across the world, as epitomises the tenacity, the bravery, the, the, the focus, the flair of Great Britain. It's what's great about Britain. Of course, we're made up of all different uh, shapes and sizes of people. The whole Penelope makes up our country. But you've got to have a standard bearer. You've got to have something that to look up to. Not just look up to, but look into. And uh, I think when the Queen honours people like Sir Bradley, uh, it gives us a role model to look up to. But Chris, he's been, he's been awarded. He's, he's won gold medals. He's, yeah. he's got the, whatever you get for the Tour de France, I don't know, like a trophy or something? Yeah. So he's... Yeah. he's, he's, he's been awarded and yeah, you say right. you say bravery he d- and listen i've got a lot of respect for the bloke totally but all he did was ride a bike it's not that brave well no, no it is because he's riding the bike to the nth degree yeah we can all ride a bike we can all walk to work we can't all run around the stadium in world of time we can't all beat the rest of the people in the world at a given hour a day i'm been un decided by yourself. So, no, there's a lot of bravery, dedication, hard work, commitment. I mean, it'd be churlish not to decide not to recognise that. And, yes, you're right. He's had professional recognition, and that's important. You need to be recognised by your peers and your people in your uh, 
in your, in your work area. But this is external. This is the monarch. It's supposed to be the monarch. Chris, of Chris are, you, are you all right? You're sounding a little bit throaty today. Yes, mate, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the old uh, flu bug has recognised Akapusi, have some of that, son. <laughs> it, the flu bugs recognised Lee and said, have some of that as well. I'm, we, yeah, I'm with you, you, brother. Go, you go, I'm with you. who you are, mate. You all sit on the toilet and we all get flu bugs. <laughs> Sorry, 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 mate. Sorry, Chris, sorry, Chris, sorry. go and, listen. Go and clear your throat. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. Let me speak to Estelle. Estelle, they, you heard Chris there saying that, that the Bradley Wiggins deserves it because he's, he's an ambassador for, for the country. Tracy Emin therefore deserves her CBE, if not more, doesn't she? Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, anybody would think she's she's the next Da Vinci or Picasso. I mean, it's absolutely a laughable joke, really. When all she did is create this unmade bed, which actually, in terms of, of being a good work of art, is actually better than Rembrandt, but that's a story for another night. But what did she do? She had drunken nights out and sex-filled nights in, and she has become a symbol, really, of, um, she's almost like the Maria von Trapp of the art world, trying to help youngsters through her art, if you like, if they look at it as um, one would look at a Bridget Jones film of what not to do. You know, you've got these snotty-nosed, spotty teenagers who think it's cool to drink and fall down drunk in the gutter, but she is actually now she's reached the menopause saying it's all wrong but for her art no she can't draw and yet she's also professor of drawing at the royal academy believe it or not she's what she's professor of drawing at the royal academy but she can't draw and she's the first to admit it but something perhaps more interesting coming up is that she's going to create an original work of art for the playboy magazine the playmate is a fine art edition well hang on a minute she's going to take some mucky photos no no no. she's creating a work of art for it i think it's a drawing called lonely chair Mm. you know she's no longer man-hating anymore she feels quite comfortable in herself and what she can do she can't draw but she can sew well do you remember the tent she did with 102 names i do remember the the tent i like i like the tent all the people she'd slept with or shared bear with i don't know if it says ian lee in there but anyway i hope not (laughs) <laughs> I hope not. It, I don't, it might say Chris Akabusi. I don't know. Whoa, easy tiger, easy tiger. <laughs> easy tiger. So, Chris, listen. Chris, do you, do you think that someone like Tracy Emin, who is an ambassador, who is an artist, and whether you like her work or not, it gets people talking and it gets people thinking, does she deserve a recognition? Where do I, we draw I, I, the line, Chris? I'm, I'm going to show my ignorance. I, I don't know who Tracy Emin is, and I do apologise no? for that. Well, that's it. I think that's interesting that you don't know who she is, because then that means that maybe these awards are being given to the wrong people. Well, again, if you, if you go back to uh, antiquity, and, 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 and no, we, we are British, and we have got some uh, history, and we have got a track record, if you excuse the pun, um, back in the day when our monarchs wanted to recognise the, the lords and, uh, and their ladies, and it wasn't a strategic thing. It wasn't a specific thing. People that really had high honour. Of course, the majority of us wouldn't have known who Sir Sovis was back in the day either. So the fact that there is not universal recognition in the country still doesn't mitigate against somebody who is... Chris, Chris, what what about what about a fireman that saves a kiddie from a burning building, or a nurse that saves an old lady's life? They're not getting knighted. They're not getting (laughs) MBEs. Well, they don't need to get knighted or MBEs. I mean, they they certainly need some sort of. But they're real heroes, aren't they? 
Well, well, about the bigness of the hero, so about the bigness of the hero. Uh, and yes, you know, a fireman doing a great work is something to be lauded, and you hopefully will be recognised by the community, by the local authority. If Wiggins, listen, if Wiggins can kill a dragon while he's riding his bike, then I would, I would let him have his knighthood, <laughs> most definitely. Estelle, do you, so you think it's, it's, uh, do you think that anybody in the public eye deserves awards, Estelle? I mean, if, if, if Tracy Emin doesn't deserve her CBE, then who does? Well, you know, if we're talking about another artist, I'd give it to somebody who's really gets up people's noses. Damien Hurst, you know, he's done more for the art world um, than Tracy Emin has. You know, let her leave her paintbrush at home and go and teach business studies at um, Harvard because she's a brilliant entrepreneur. You know, she came up with the addition of people buying bonds in her future as an artist when she first started out. Can you imagine if you bought one of those bonds? And also, you know, when her cat Docket I was too busy busy sleeping with her in her tent to to worry about the bonds. <laughs> when her cat Docket went missing, she put up loads of posters in the East End and people ripped them down and were selling them for hundreds of pounds. You know, she's, she's a good investment, but an artist, no. I, listen, I'm not particularly for the honour system. I think it's, it's, it's uh, elitism and I think it's a, whatever. But if I was offered one, I would totally take it, but just because uh, my mum would love it, and I, I'd love to have—I'd love to have like MBE after my name, even though I think it's elitist and it's—it's it's morally wrong and corrupt. I would, Estelle. Would you take an honour if you were given one? Oh, of course. I mean, wouldn't we all? In fact, you know, Emin said the one thing she's looking forward to most of all is seeing the expression on her mum's face when she yeah. finds out. Chris, have you got—have you been honoured yet? Most definitely, I am the, the Royal Order of the Member of the British Empire. Yeah, hey, it's the Boosie MBE! This might go some way towards why I'm defending now, it. Now I see. Now I understand where you're coming from, Chris. Yeah, it makes... Sorry, mate, sorry, Fred. I should have declared my interest. Did, <laughs> did, you, did you get to meet the Queen? Oh, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Well, how and, does it um, work? What happens? Well, basically, first and foremost, I, I was out in California at the time. I was still training. I was a young athlete. Oh, well, young athlete. I was an old athlete. It was 20 odd years ago. I got a fo- I got a phone call through from John Major's office, uh, but I didn't believe it. I thought it was John Regis winding me up. I go, yeah, all right, Regis, yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> I think somebody he was with, you know, with a little pub in their voice. Go, yeah, yeah, all right, geezer, yeah, all right, geezer. After about 10 minutes, I went, oh my gosh. Is it really to a major office? After I picked myself up from the floor, they, then I said, of course, I would accept it. I kept it quiet for, but Akabusi kept quiet. That's another thing. That was, I said, Akabusi keeping quiet? I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I kept it quiet for about three months, and then, yes, we went down to Buckingham Palace. We met the Queen. My children, my young girls, were very disappointed because the Queen didn't have a tiara on. Oh, man. But it was a wonderful day. Very, very proud. One that all live in my Chris, mom. I don't know your family history. Was was, was your mum or, or your parents or anyone around for you to get the, when you got the award? Unfortunately, no. I was one of the children's own. Was on oh, the okay. But, but, but what my wife and my children were, who yeah. were the most important people in my life. I bet, so. they must, I bet they must have been over the moon, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic, yes. And, you know, wow. my young girls know it now. And as again, as I said, what they recognise is that somebody from humble beginnings um, can actually be recognised by the highest person in the land. And I, and I, I am a, a royalist, monarchist, and traditionalist, etc., etc., etc. So for me, it really means something. Listen, both of you, thank you very much. Chris Akabusi, MBE, I'll have you know, and Estelle Lovett, art critic and artist. Thank you very much indeed. Well, what do you think? Akabusi's got an MBE, and he talks in the third person. What a nice bloke. And Estelle, fan- fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Do you, do you think they deserve it? Two different opinions there. Tracy Emin doesn't deserve it. Chris Akabusi thinks that um, Bradley Wiggins does deserve his knighthood. 
doesn't think that, that firemen and, and nurses should necessarily get it, but does think that Brad- Bradley Wiggins does, because he's a hero. Is he a hero? Listen, I'm not knocking him. I think he's a great bloke. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. Uh, and, it, it, you know, he's, a, he's an ambassador for the country. Well done. A hero? Really? New Year's Eve. Many of you are making plans. Fancy dress. What are you going to wear? What, what, what outfits are you going to take? Where are you going to go? Overpriced club entry, packed bars, double prices on cabs, and just annoying drunk people. What is all the fuss about? I am totally boycotting New Year's Eve, as I do every single year. Well, Lynn Saint is a life coach from Watford. And Lynn, you love New Year's Eve. I do, yes, I do. <laughs> Why? It's, it's, a, it's an awful, overpriced evening with horrible drunk people and everyone pretending they're having a good time. Well, I think, Ian, you make the difference, isn't it? I think if you go around with your attitude of being bar humbug, you're, you're going to get back what you give out, aren't you? And it doesn't have to be expensive, really, at all. You can actually get on and have a really good time by doing it yourself. So what's, what's your plan for this evening, Lynn? What, what, what are you up to? I'm actually going to put my glad rags on, yeah. and I'm doing some dinner for some friends, and then we're going to go out to our local pub and dance away the evening. Are you, <laughs> are you paying to get into that pub? I'm not paying at all, no. Good, because that, that's, that's one of the things that gets me, Lynn, is that some pubs, you have to buy a ticket for 20 quid, 25 quid. Yeah, and I think that's a shame as well, isn't it? Because I think if you've paid £20 or whatever it is, you feel that you need, to, you, you know, you've paid mm. and that you should have a good time because you've actually laid out some money. And yep. that becomes the forefront of it. And the secondary part is, oh, actually, I'm here because I've paid the money, not because I want to be here. There's a lot of pressure, isn't there, Lynn, to, to, to have a good time? Partly, as you say, because you've paid the money to get in, possibly. But also because it is... Some people see it as the biggest party of the year. And just the pressure is, is impossible, isn't it? I think, yeah, no, I do agree with you that there is a big expectation that on New Year's Eve you've really got to go out, put your glad rags on and have a good time and be seen to be having a good time. But I think um, if you don't bow into that pressure and look at what you really want to do, because mm. you are the difference in all this, yeah? You have a choice to go out and spend a lot of money. You can stay in, do whatever you like. But I think the difference is, is what you project is what you get back. So Ooh. if you are going out like the Grinch and you've got this miserable old face on, well. you get out, you get back what you give out, don't you? They saw, It's called projection is perception. And nobody well. wants to be with a Grinch, do they? Especially on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I think you've, 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 you've just in that, that little sentence there, you've explained why my whole life is so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I tell you, it is. It's a, I'm le- le- leading a terrible life. So what, what are your tips, Lynn? What, what, what would your tip be then to, to, to enjoy New Year's? I think, again, is the big expectation is you've got the choice and you can choose to be miserable and stay in or you can be miserable and go out. Um, but I think if you go out with a positive outlook, and it's mm. really, really, very, very powerful positive outlook if you go out with a smiling face and think oh yeah i'm going to have a good time regardless of what i'm spending or who i'm spending it with you actually draw people to you and a lot of the time i think if you go out with that attitude Mm. that i spent all this money and i'm going to be miserable you will it's a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it where do you stand on on new year's resolutions 
Oh, oh, I'm old enough to be quite experienced um, not to make too many of them. Yeah. Um, and I think, particularly with the media, you get the horoscopes, don't you, to say what a fantastic oh, year yeah. you're going to have, all of that sort of stuff. I would say don't be pressured into any New Year's resolution. Look at what you want to do. Don't do it if you don't need to. But I think particularly with any New Year's resolution is don't set your goals too high. Because in my experience, you think, right, I'm going to lose four stone in six months or I'm going to go on this fantastic holiday. And you set it up too high and they're not realistic. Yeah. And you're just setting yourself up to fail again. Uh, nobody wants that. <laughs> my, see, I, I see, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I kind of think, why, why do it on January the 1st? Why not do it on June the 6th or, or exactly. March the 18th? Yeah. Or, you know, set yourself a date to do something. But to, I think to, to set yourself right, on, on January the 1st, I'm going to give up smoking. That's a big thing. You are putting pressure on you, yourself then and by january the 5th when you've started smoking again it's like oh nuts i'll do it next year yeah i think with the, it with goals as well is literally you set the goal but you don't actually set the steps and the plan to actually make it work because you mm. say right i'm going to stop smoking it's okay then how am i going to do this am i going to get rid of my cigarettes today am i going on some sort of coaching or am i going to get and things like that. Most people make a New Year's resolution or a goal, but they don't actually plan and break it down into a target date and those small manageable steps to actually get there. I just find as, as well, Lynn, that, that staying up past midnight these days... <laughs> I, I'm going to be I'm going to be 40 in 2013. That's another reason I don't particularly want to celebrate it. Uh, getting closer you're to it. Young boy. Oh well, you're very <laughs> kind. But I, I, staying up to, to, to past midnight, I'm like, really? Can, can we just go to bed now and, and sleep? Yeah. But I think that's part of the plan, isn't it? If you are an early bird, I'm pretty much of an early bird. Early bird. So I will plan it, go out a bit later, and then have a lie in tomorrow when you've got a sore head, maybe. <laughs> well, Lynn, have a lovely night tonight. Happy New Year. And you, happy New Year to you. Thank, have a lovely one. Thank you Good very luck. much. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll be in bed by eight. I'll be reading uh, two chapters from my Pete Townsend autobiography I got for Christmas. Lights off at 8.30. Sweet. That's the plan. Uh, Mireille. Oh, no, you're there. Hello. Oh, she's gone. Mireille. 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 She's disappeared. Hello. Mireille. Mireille. She's gone. She's disappeared. We've been fraught with difficulties uh, this morning, but um, we're, we're getting by. She's there. Mir- Mireille, are you there now? Yes. What, what on earth is going on? You're, look, she's caught in the vortex. Mireille, are you there now, Mireille? <laughs> Can you hear me? Wowzers, that's, that's what happens. I think she's calling us from the future. I don't know how that happened. That's a phone call from the year 2056. Wowzers! Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. She sounded distressed. Yes, I'm here. Wow! If you want to give us a call, hopefully from this year, if you could do that, that would be uh, or this dimension, that would be kind of good. I just don't get New Year's Eve. And Lynn, there, the, the life coach, was putting forward a pretty good argument for it, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me in the slightest. Uh, Mireille, are you there now? Hello? Oh, but he hasn't unplugged it! You've, what? But he's not unplugged it. Pl- no, plug. Oh, now you've unplugged it. Now you've unplugged it. I can tell you that. It was plugged in. You've unplugged it. What on earth is going on? It, that, hello? I'm sure this is heart sabotaging us. They've, they've got wind that, that we've got a decent breakfast presenter at last, and they've sabotaged it. Mireille, plug it in! 
You've unplugged it! Who is that mysterious man? I'm worried now. Forget the rest of the show. We've got loads of stuff booked for the last hour. Get rid of it. I want to find out what's happening in this woman's life. <laughs> and how it's falling apart so badly. We're calling her back. Although she's, unplu- she's unplugged the phone. <laughs> oh, we've had someone be rude about Sir Bruce Forsyth. We've lost one of the callers. She's there now, is she? Yes. Are you there now? Yes, I'm here. What the flipping heck's going me? on with you, woman? Listen. What are you doing? Is that, um, is that Murray? Yeah. Yeah, what's, what, what on earth are you doing? What's the with my husband? Listen, let me tell you. North West London, you, you mentioned. Uh, yes, I did. A, uh, a while ago. I used to live there. Whereabouts were you in North West London? Uh, this was um, about 15 years ago. I was in Kensal Green. Oh. Ah. Uh. Oh, was I, was, I was in Kingsbury. North West London, near Wembley. Oh, it's, it's only, you know, five, ten miles away. No, five, it wasn't far away, was it? About five miles away. Yeah, I thought I might know you, but, well, know your parents, perhaps. Well, no, well, no my parents... My what par- sort of age are you? I'm, I'm 39. Yeah, well, it would have been your parents then. I'm 82. Wowzers. That yeah, explains 82. a lot. Yeah, my pa- my parents didn't live there. My parents lived in Slough. Do you know them, Linda? Oh, yes, I know that well. Linda and Malcolm, do you know them? No, I can't tell you. Linda, she's got kind of short, of, uh, short dark hair. What, what, what was the surname? Surname? It was it was Rugby at the time. Malcolm Rugby. No, curly hair, bit overweight. That was my dad, my mum, Linda. You don't know them? No, it doesn't ring a bell. Sorry. Oh, he he used to work for the BBC, and she worked at Langley Grammar School. Oh really? Yeah. Oh really? Yes. That's amazing. Did you mention I wasn't going to ring you until you mentioned North West London? Yeah, and then, and you then did. I was on the phone like a shot. Yeah, wasn't well, I? and then off, and then on, and then off again. Yeah. Well, that was my husband. Sorry. Yeah, what, what, are, what are you still doing with him, Murray? For goodness' sakes. Yeah, I fifteen years. That's what I, I'm thinking now. I'm you, thinking you, now. I'm not being funny, love. You can do I've, better. I've given him six, six, seven. Sorry. Six of the best. Let's go on to uh, chemistic surgery. I tell you, listen, we'll come back to you. I want to talk to you. Keep hold of that woman. I want to speak to Marae. She's the next hour of the show. Wonderful. Keep hold of her, please, Ollie. I think this is just a dream. I'm going to wake up soon and come to work and do a proper show. I've got no idea what's going on. We'll speak to Marae a little bit later on. And I think Barry from Watford is calling in as well at some point. We'll see if we can get those two on together. Let's get the news now. Listen, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's one of those shows. We are, we've got the rule book. I have ripped it up. I'm burning the pages and about to chuck them out of the window aflame. It's kind of everything is evolving and taking shape as the, the, the show progresses. Lots coming up in the last hour, including cosmetic surgery, banning free consultations and money off deals are recommended in an industry review published today. We'll speak to um, Sarah Burge in a few minutes, who's had quite a bit of plastic surgery. Are we entering an unlucky year, 2013? Apparently considered to be unlucky by a lot of people. And BBC Three Counties' version of the 12 Days of Christmas is coming to an end. I've got the final two days, 11 pipers piping and 12 drummers drumming. We'll find out more in a bit. BBC Three Counties Radio. Before that, we were speaking um, uh, to Murray. Good morning, Murray. You're still on the line. Good morning, yes. L- good morning, Ian. You're, you're a man unto my own heart. I don't know what that means. Say hello well, to... We on, got... the, on the three, three subjects you've mentioned yes. this morning, I agree with you on every one. Well let's, well, let's see if this gentleman does as well. We're joined as well by Barry from Watford. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Hooray. Good morning. How are you doing? Sorry? Yeah, good. It's, um, nighthoods. 
Yes. The, but, well, Barry, the, the Barry, I can't hear you very well. No. It's a bit distorted. That's his voice, Murray. <laughs> what? Are you still there, Barry? We've, we've lost Barry. We'll try and get, we'll try and get Barry back. Uh, Murray, so the Bradley Wiggins being knighted, what do you think? Is it, is it a good oh, idea? It's very nice, but as you say, what has he done? And he wrote, wrote, wrote uh, and then he swore then. Don't. Has, not has you as well. Bike? Yes. Through, he rode it through France. Oh, so what? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm half French myself. My father was French. A very, a very famous, very famous London chef he was. Who, who was your father? My father was Louis Saunier, who, who wrote Le Webster de la Cuisine. Barry, does you know Louis Fournier? It's the Chef's Bible. It's the Chef's Bible. Sorry, I've got cut off there. Yeah. Are you aware of the Chef's Bible, Barry? Um, I could lie and say yes, but I, 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 I've never heard of it. We've got a deal here. Yes? Because you're not a chef, that's why. Well, <laughs> you don't know that, Ray, do you? That, no, uh, no, I don't, know. I'm not. Yes, quite I like. do, actually, because if you were a chef, you'd know, you'd know about the left to run the cuisine. Oh, you have to get oh, up there yeah, to catch you out. Can I speak, or...? Yes, Barry, you can. Yes, no. Barry, carry on. Oh, knighthoods. Knighthoods is what I said previously. I hadn't got to the bit, you know, the interesting bit. I just said knighthoods twice. But what I'd like to say is absolutely ridiculous. Absolute Bradley Wiggins and knights for riding a bike without stabilisers. What does that <laughs> Without stabilisers, CBE, with them. <laughs> Nothing, but a farce without stabilizers, nothing. What's he going to... Well, presumably, in the old days, Henry VIII's day, for example, to name a monarch, you would have expected to go and fight as a knight. Barry, Barry, go, go back and stand where you were standing. You're breaking up again, and I'd hate to have to cut you off. Oh, dear. That's better. Don't move. Uh, I'm not moving. Okay. I was just going to say, what's Bradley Wiggins going to do... In, in, if he were called to fight, as a knight would have been required to do in medieval times. Yes. Get on his bike and cycle the other one. <laughs> you know, I think he done well in the Olympics. A simple book token and maybe a meal Yeah, but that's food. enough. That's enough, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I mean, maybe a meal at your dad's restaurant might exactly, have supplied. Exactly, yes, you're right. I'm not, a, I'm not an old Scrooge, maybe including a starter. No, yeah, and the pudding, yeah. if necessary. Jerry, listen, very quickly, we've got a proper guest coming on in a second. But, oh. but, but, yeah. I, mean, I mean, what is the world oh. coming to? As, as you said, Ian, with the, with the, but the heroes should be the people that have given their lives. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Well, just, almost given their lives. I mean, they can't claim it now they're dead, but almost given their lives. I agree with you. Well, I've almost given my life getting up this early to join in this lackluster right. conversation. <laughs> Very quickly, Murray, what are you doing for uh, New Year's Eve? Anything? God knows. Oh. With the husband I've got at the moment, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves a night of the put up with your sharp tongue, my darling. That's I would what everyone says. <laughs> Can I quickly say... <laughs> that's what everyone says. I know, yeah, you said it, yeah. Right. You said it as well. But the, um, what I wanted to say very quickly, I also... Listen, let me tell you this. Hello? <laughs> My first husband bugged off after 27 years. What's your language? What's your language? 27 years. Yes. 27 three, three lovely children. Oh, yeah, dear. Just, 
just keep talking. But the um, the thing is, what I was going to say was, similarly, Danny Boyle says he don't want a night because we're all the same. Well, let me tell you, Mr Boyle, I ain't the same as some of the people you see on a Saturday night in Watford High Street. Yes. I'm very different. Yes. Don't lump me in with those low lives. Doing, we in a doorway? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I do. Hooray. Me Ray. Me Ray. Leroy. Me Ray. Me Ray. Me Ray. As in Marseille. Marseille? You've heard of Marseille, the, the country. Hooray. It's me Ray. Me, me, me Ray. See, you Ray. Me Ray. Me Ray. No, with an M. With an M. He may. No. Me Day. It's N, say it's N double E R A Y. Pronounce me, that. Me, 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 Yes, tonight, yeah. I'm going to have a good old drink up. Yes, am I? Uh, yes, I bet. And then yeah. I'm going to have some steak tonight. Let, let me ask you, what drink do you like? Alcoholic ones. Very. <laughs> <laughs> yes. what, 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 no, what kind of alcoholic I'm ones? Desperately trying Big to bring ones. this. What kind? What kind? Bring this to an end. Ones. What, what variety? What variety? A pint of wine. I'm going to have tonight with please, my steak. Please, wine. Please, both wine. of you. Steak please. as well, dude. You both. like it rare? Man, just keep talking. I'm just going to. Can we cut them off, please? <laughs> cut them off, please. <laughs> Stop. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee oh on BBC Three Counties Radio. Wowzers. The back of my head hurts. Now, we're only a few hours... <coughs> Excuse me. We're only a few hours away from seeing in 2013. But do you think it's going to be a lucky year for you? It seems, as a nation, the superstition of unlucky 13 is something that many of us take seriously and act on. A poll of motorists has shown 10% of drivers would not buy a car with a 13 reg plate, preferring to wait until August when the number changes to 63. Well, Paul McGee is an author and psychologist who studied, uh, studied superstitions. Morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. Am I right in thinking the 13 is considered unlucky because of the Last Supper? Is it something to do with that? You know, there's countless reasons, but actually that is one of them that he's given. Apparently Judas was the 13th person to sit down. Of course, there's absolutely no historical record or evidence of that at all or in the Bible. So it is one of those myths that has carried on throughout the centuries. What are the other reasons for it being unlucky then? What are, what are the other well, stories? I mean, there's as many reasons as there are Brussels sprouts that I've had over Christmas, Ooh. but one of them that's quite interesting dates back to ancient Persian times, and I'm sure you will recall, when apparently each sign of the zodiac was to reign over the earth for a thousand years, and then after the 12,000 
years because there's 12 signs of the zodiac, the earth and the sky would collapse into chaos and therefore there was an association with this number 13 representing chaos and destruction. So there's all kinds of rumours, but I think the one you mentioned initially about Judas and the Last Supper being the 13th person is the one that's most commonly known and talked about. Is there any evidence, Paul, that 13 is actually an unlucky number? Has, has there been any scientific research into it? Um, there's research that I've done suggests that there is no uh, evidence whatsoever other than the fact that in a sense, as human beings our brains are very skilled at helping you find what you're looking for mm. so for instance, if you are very concerned about the dates Friday the 13th um, and you go, this will be an unlucky day then anything that goes wrong that day, your brain kind of notices and recollects and takes um, stock of and so when you're talking to people, they'll go, there's nothing in this Friday the 13th and you'll turn and go oh yes there is I tried to start my car and it wouldn't start and then I was late and then I had a crash and you tend to remember these things so it's more about the power of human belief that we attach to certain things you say there's nothing in it Paul but I did crash my car on Friday the 13th once yeah absolutely and you know what I once crashed my car on Thursday the 12th so do you see what I mean I mean the thing that's hugely interesting is um, we can as human beings get conditioned to believe certain things years ago there was this experiment about getting a dog to salivate at the ringing of a bell bit of Pavlov there absolutely first thing in the morning always good to have with your breakfast and the thing is as we're told as a nation you know oh 13's unlucky 13's unlucky if you were to ask most people do you know why the number 13 is unlucky. They wouldn't really know, but they believe it is because they've been told it ever since they were a kid. However, if you were a Tibetan monk in on this call now, Ian, you'd be saying 13 is a lucky number because in what? some cultures, not many, 13 is actually lucky. And if you're going for a, with a, an Italian meal with a Tibetan monk, your Italian waiter would also be joining you go, let's raise a toast to uh, 2013 because they also think 13 is a lucky number. Uh, li- listen, I'm a, I'm a man of science, Paul. I'm a man of science. But I still follow some traditions. I still salute magpies, and I will never put a new pair of shoes on the, on the table. Okay, and uh, what's interesting, again, what, what is superstition all about? It's about trying to control the future in some way or another. And if you believe I will prevent bad luck by not putting my shoes on the table, that is your way, Ian, of trying to control the future. If you carry uh, a rabbit's paw around for good luck, although, to be fair, it didn't give much luck to the rabbit. Yeah. Um, again, if you, it's that sense in which you are trying to do something to control the future. I also am a man of science as well, although maybe also having a, not just thinking everything's rational, but what I would say is, is 2013, you know, let's ditch this, what I call the Doris Day approach to life, which is case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And just as many people at this time of year would be planning their holiday, why don't they plan some good things that they want to do uh, in 2013? And just like the life coach Lynn talked about earlier on, let's not just set goals and then hope they happen, but let's actually take some control and say, okay, well, what plans do I need to take and put into place in order to make some fantastic things happen? I really do believe that this could be a truly awesome year for many people and that it's not a case of the fate and the moon and the stars and numbers, but it's about the actions we take on a daily basis that really could create a fantastic year. Paul McGee, thank you very much indeed. What a lot of positivity. I don't know if I can handle it. My negative reflux is kicking in. You can give us a call, 08459 555 555. The only person 
we've had in defence of Sir Bradley Wiggins being knighted uh, is Chris Akabusi, who is a delightful gentleman. Let's be honest, he's bonkers, isn't he? He's absolutely bonkers. How can anyone be that perky at this time of the morning? Uh, do you think the Sir Bradley Wiggins makes sense? It sounds right. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And most of you, I think, are agreeing with me that New Year's Eve, it's a waste of time, effort and money. And really, it's a bit pointless. 08459 455 555. Now, banning free consultations and money off deals for cosmetic surgery are just two suggestions in an interim report of the industry published today. The review, led by NHS Medical Director Sir Bruce Keoff, has also published a number of suggestions, including introducing a two-stage consent process and ensuring consultations take place with a medical professional. Well, Sarah Burge is a plastic surgery expert and author of The Half a Million Pound Girl. Morning, Sarah. Morning. Are you surprised by some of the suggestions in this report? Well, no, not really. I mean, it's coming from the NHS, and quite frankly, with the dealings that I've had with them over the years, they need to sweep out their own house first before sort of, like, banging on about somebody else in the private sector, to be honest. Um, I think that the world is racing at a 1,000 miles an hour in development of modern medicine, and we really need to embrace this. We need to be ready, and we need to keep up, because if we start cutting out um, marketing techniques, modern marketing techniques, it's going to bring about about perpetual ignorance and unnecessary suffering for millions trapped in the wrong face or body out there. It's, it's not the right way forward. It really isn't. But we... I, I, listen, I know very little about cosmetic surgery, and the whole thing today has been, if you excuse the pun, an eye-opener. And I, I was hearing that you can be approved and sold procedures without speaking to a doctor beforehand. Um, in some cases, you can, and that is mostly with the big corporates. That the, can't be right, though, can it? Well, I personally don't think it's right because you should always see the consultant who's going to carry out the procedure before having the operation. But I think, I mean, we do have sloppy standards and obviously I welcome any change in that as well for obvious reasons. But, I mean, if we don't have... Uh, marketing strategies in place, then people will end up going underground and seeking out the voodoo witch doctors, as I call them, of this world, and going turning more to the internet. And they will there'll, there'll be more botched up procedures going on out there. Mm. I, I was hearing as well today. Again, this is I'm finding all of this fascinating. That, that, that in some magazines they give away cosmetic surgery as a prize in a competition. Well, I don't, I don't see anything wrong in that because if behind the marketing strategy and behind the scalpel uh, the procedures are carried out correctly under the guideline, the medical guidelines following um, obviously a full consultation, etc., then it matters not, to be honest, if, if everyone's happy with uh, the procedure. But, but as a prize, in, in the same way that you could win a car or a microwave... That you, you go and win a boob job or you, you, a, a lift or something. Yeah, but it changes people's lives. This is making plastic and cosmetic surgery accessible to a, di a different bracket of people, and it can actually change people's lives. I mean, why do, does everyone get into an enraged frenzy over marketing techniques and plastic surgery when it actually helps to change people's lives for the better. It's not for the worst. It's not in place to upset and hurt people. It's there to change people's I, lives. I think that some people may suggest, Sarah, that, that by having these as competition prizes and by having so many articles about them in, in, in slightly frothy magazines, mm. that it, it perhaps um, makes people 
feel unhappy with their bodies and feel they need procedures when perhaps they shouldn't be unhappy with their bodies, that it's, it's the, the media itself that's making people feel they need to change? Well, I mean, it, you're either unhappy with yourself or you're not. I mean, it, whether I mean, when you look in the mirror, it can be a constant reminder of the torment that people but you're, are you're, suffering. You're, but you're, you're, for the most part, you're taught to be unhappy with yourself, aren't you? What do you mean taught? No, 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 definitely not. You, you can look in the mirror and feel very unhappy about yourself. I mean, and, and obviously, to bring about change, it can be from lots of different things. It could be from genetic, it could be from disease or accident. I mean, wh why should we stop these people from being able to change the way that they look through accident, disease or disfigurement when they can do something about it? And even if it's winning a prize, it would change their life considerably. But, yeah, I don't think we're necessarily talking about people who've had their faces burned in fires, are we? I think it, it, surely there is a... Uh, there would... It, people might argue there is a lot of pressure on particularly young women, but more so young men as well, and people of all ages, but young women, but just because they're not quite, they don't quite look like Cheryl Cole, or they're not quite as skinny as Kate Middleton, that the, the, they feel pressured into being uncomfortable with their bodies. Do you not accept that? Well, yes, I can, I can accept that, but I think we're all pressured in certain ways, whether it be academically or looks-wise, and there are lots of different ways that we're pressured every, in everyday life. But it depends what path in life that you want to take, and I'm talking about young people particularly, because you've just brought that up. Mm. I mean... I receive thousands of letters every year from people trapped in the wrong body for whatever reason. What does that mean, and trapped in the wrong body? I don't quite understand. Well, because they're unhappy with perhaps their, their, their nose or their face or, or their boobs, one that they've got lopsided breasts, because, you know, even young people do have these problems, and they have more problems than a lot of others. And they don't want to live with that. And they write to me, and they're constantly saying, well, how can I change this? And I help them find the right surgeon for their particular problem. And, uh, I mean, and it's how incredible how it changes people's lives. How and old I know are these that. people? Sorry? How old are these young people? Well, they could be from 16 wow. to 19. And you... 16-year-olds having cosmetic surgery? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Wow. That's, that does sound wrong to me. Well, why does it sound wrong? If you, if, you had a because... if you had a daughter with breasts that one was bigger than the other, yeah. you, you would be mortified at her distress. I know I would be, and you'd want to do something about that. I, because there are... I'll answer the question. Uh, it, it sounds wrong, because at 16, uh, you're still physically growing... Um, and at 16, I don't think you are I emotionally stable enough to uh, withstand the, the rigours of changing your body and, and be able to make that decision correctly. Well, you, you don't, you, you're not in my position where you, you read no, no, all, these, all. all these stories every single day oh. from people who reach out to me in their thousands who actually want help, and I help them professionally. And I also receive thousands of letters of thank you to saying how much I've changed their life. And I, th I think the proof is in the pudding there. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure you do. You, you ask my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I just think, I, I think that for a 16-year-old girl to have plastic surgery, I think, I think is, uh, is, is wrong. And I think it's a shame that our society is, is making 16-year-old girls feel so uncomfortable with their bodies that they need to do well, something to correct what, it. Well, it depends what path in life you want to take. If you want to be a brain surgeon, then looks would matter not. But if you want to be a model mm. or on show, then clearly if you're on show, you have to look good. We want our children to aim higher than that, though, don't we? What, to be on show? To be a yeah. top model? Yeah, or? we want... I, 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 if I had a 16-year-old daughter, I would be disappointed if, if her goal was to be a top model. Yeah. 
Well, would you? Okay, fair enough then. Yeah, each, would, each to their own. I would totally. <laughs> I, I, I think that we can encourage our children to aim higher. Than, what career is a top model, really? Yeah, but. Uh, that leads to lots of things. That leads to being to, ha- to having your own fashion range, to being an author, published author, loads of different things. It, it brings about well, lots of different things in life. Well, I think it's I think it's sad that sixteen year old kids are having plastic surgery. I really do. Well, you'll have to find it sad then. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as. Uh, uh, but, but these two-for-one offers as well, that's got to be a bad idea, hasn't it? Well, why should it? I mean, as I say, uh, we need to embrace everything that's... Uh, marketing techniques are there to, to help people, as but I this say. Is in, Sarah, this is and invasive, this is invasive, potentially dangerous surgery. No, you are cutting... You are hang cutting... On, no, let me finish my sentence. Let me finish my sentence. You are cutting people's bodies open and moving bits and pieces around. That, that is dangerous. That is invasive. We shouldn't be giving it's one only- away free. People only fear what they don't understand. No, it's invasive. Cutting someone's face and shifting it up a bit, shoving a bit of plastic up someone's knocker, well, that's invasive well, surgery. I have had, as you probably aware, loads of surgical procedures. And there's always an element of risk, but you minimise the risk. You don't have to have general anaesthetic for most operations these days. You can have a local under sedation. You can be wide awake and have everything done that way. That minimises the risk. So, I mean, actually, at the end of the day, if the risk was that high, it would be illegal. So, it's not. Listen, there's any... Uh, Sarah, come on now. Any, any part, any operation where you are having your body cut open, there's a risk. There's a risk to everything in life. There yeah, is. crossing but the road and eating the sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, thank you very much indeed. Sarah Burge, plastic surgery expert and author of The Half a Million Pound Girl. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Am I being a bit harsh there? I genuinely think it's sad that sixteen-year-old girls are getting plastic surgery. I think that's sad, and I think it should be stopped. To be honest, I think it's sad that we are uh, in a society where we make sixteen-year-old girls feel unhappy with their bodies because they don't look like Cheryl Cole, because they're not stick thin, because whatever. Am I or am I just being really stupid here? Am I just being an old, out-of-touch man? Do you think it's wrong that kids are having surgery like that? 16 years old, you're a kid. Sorry, you're a kid. And yes, if I had a daughter, I would want her to aim higher than being a top model. I'd want to... Hey, listen, if that's what she wanted to do, fantastic, I'd support it. I'd want her to aim higher than that. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Well, we, we were going to have uh, Sophie Tyler, but we're getting lots of static and feedback. This is Sophie Tyler. There we go. You don't want to listen to that. What's happening? The, the, our whole system has been sabotaged by someone today. I've got no idea what's going on. It's either another radio station or it's Laura, my regular producer. Look, Ollie, the work experience is actually rubbing his temples. That's how bad things have got. Or it's Laura, my, my regular producer, who's away in Las Vegas, who's doing it to make Sophie... The standard producer looked poor today. That's what's going on. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call... Oh, she's still there. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Should we stick with Sophie or should we, uh, should we go... To- let's go to the news and let's see if we can find out what's happening with Sophie. So, let's get the latest news and sport now with Louise Parry. Thank you very much, Louise. Right, we, see, look, are you there, Sophie? I'm here. What, what on earth is going on with you this morning? I don't think it was me. Uh, Usually, uh, I would blame myself. uh, 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 It wasn't us. I think it might have been. It wasn't us. 
I think it was. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> Away you go, it wasn't us. <laughs> Still looking good out there at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, now, now we've got to do the news again. Oh, now we're stuck in a time warp. Um, I'll just press the stop button. There we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone can queue up those bits of music for me later on. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, listen, let's be honest. It's not the biggest listenership we've ever had today. I think we can get away with a slightly shambolic show. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, 30 minutes left, and then I think David Prever is in for Jonathan Vernon Smith this morning, which is uh, always worth a listen. Lots coming up. New Year's Eve. Mum- no, I don't even know how to say this word. Mumtrepreneur. Uh, and uh, Bradley Wiggins. Does he really deserve to be a sir? Uh, I've got a few uh, tweets here. Uh, Lee has tweeted, New Year's Eve is overrated and pointless. It's for 18-year-olds. I grew out of it years ago. And Indrid says, put a couple of drops of tea tree oil in a glass of water and gargle. Do every couple of hours. Oh, that's not about New Year's. That's about my tonsillitis. Thank you very much. And uh, I think we have a couple of texts on uh, Wiggins. Happy New Year. I disagree with Wiggins' knighthood, as he has not done anything exceptional. Uh, as his Sportsman of the Year presentation, he failed to thank the Duchess for turning out to present him with the trophy. What is that? Is that what you're supposed to do? I don't know. Uh, they gave knighthoods to people who climb mountains. Brad cycled for three weeks over the Alps and the Pyrenees. He's a hero and a sir to me, says David. And uh, I don't know about Sir Bradley. It could have been worse. It could have been Sir David Beckham and Lady Vicky. Now, that doesn't bear thinking about says Nick and Hitchin. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, for a second year in a row, a woman from Buckinghamshire has been named in the top 100 UK... I can't even say this. How do I say Mumpreneurs. Mumpreneurs. <laughs> I'm adding an extra syllable. Mum, mumpreneurs. <laughs> Katrina Blunt has designed a top which makes it easier for mums to breastfeed discreetly in public. Katrina uh, lives in Pitstone, launched Bell Belly. Am I saying that right? Bell Belly. Bell Belly. In May 2010. Uh, and you're in the studio now. So, th- 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 what is it? Describe it. You've got it there. Have I've you? got it right in front of me. Listen, yeah. I'm a modern man. I've, I'm a dad. <laughs> I know all about breastfeeding discreetly in public. Yeah, explain how it works. What okay. is, what's so special about it? So it's basically um, a tube of fabric, which you wear under your normal clothes, um, just from your under bust down to your hips. Um, It's A-line in shape, so it's smaller at the top, bigger at the bottom. That's the A-line, thank you for explaining it, yes. (laughs) Um, And you wear it underneath your normal clothes, so you don't need to go out and buy expensive nursing and breastfeeding clothes. Um, So it's there ready when you're baby needs feeding you lift up your normal top and all your belly your hips and your back are all covered up everything's covered absolutely do you there are st- i'm surprised to find this and I, I have come across this there are still people who find breastfeeding in public a disgusting why don't you why don't you go to the toilet and do it exactly you, why don't you go and have your lunch in the toilet exactly. for goodness sakes yes so, are you still shocked by that i am shocked by that and i think that you know there's stories that come out all the time mm. people being asked to leave restaurants and and it's exactly that uh, I, you know, people should feel comfortable doing it, but you know this this product helps them to kind of be more discreet. Um, but I don't think people should be hiding away doing it. No, um, it is one of the most natural things in the world is feeding a baby. Absolutely. And my wife, you can't kind of get, well, she doesn't do it now, but when she did breastfeed, got a bit self conscious, and she left a restaurant of her own volition and went and sat in the lobby. And the couple next to her said, "Well, there's no need for her to go and do that. We wouldn't have minded in the slightest." So I, I, I'm assuming there's been a big uptake on on this product. Yes, there? yeah, I've, I've sold thousands of them. And how how did you come up with the idea? first of all uh well I, I was pregnant with my second daughter and i kind of had flashbacks 
to when I was breastfeeding my, my mm. eldest daughter in public. Um, that kind of moment where baby needs feeding and you're kind of fumbling around with muslins and tucking them in and babies grabbing them off you and yeah. and even though other people might not be looking you think they're looking um and you're feeling like you're exposed and you're getting all a bit stressed out and actually when you're feeding your baby you need to be calm and relaxed yeah um and so i kind of remembered all that and i went looking for a product that i could actually use this this time around um and then couldn't find one so i thought well hey i'll, I'll come up with it myself then and how do you do it do you uh, do, do, do you just sit at home with a notepad and paper and go hang on a second do you get some cloth and uh, how do you invent something <laughs> um it's a very good question I came up with the idea and because I was searching around for them I kind of saw what was out there and saw what those ones didn't do mm. um, so I sort of thought it's got to be longer it needs to be A-line so it doesn't fall down it doesn't ride up um, yeah it needs to be made of natural fibre because yeah. some products out there are all hot and sweaty and nylon and you know man-made fibres and I took all the things that were wrong with what was out there already and kind of put them all together and made you know came up with this and the hardest bit for me was coming up with sizing because i've right. got no idea how big people's underbust measurements are no, <laughs> me neither <No. laughs> so i had to kind of do a lot of trial and error get lots of people to try them on you know yeah get them to try them and see if and this is the work. second year i've got to say that word again you've been in the top 100 mumpreneurs mumpreneurs yes so what was what were you in it was, it was, it was the same thing same thing yeah so i've just been recognized again so how do, have you, do you where do you where do you come from have you got a business background how have you got into this and been so successful well my background is in marketing um, and innovation so i guess that helped with sort of getting the idea mm. working through all the steps all the research etc to get it to market but i had absolutely no experience in the textile industry or clothing or anything right. like that my background's in financial services telecommunications so completely different um but it, it was about kind of getting out there talking to people networking trying to find where on earth i could get these things made mm. um i started off with a lady in her bedroom in milk um in yeah milton Keynes, uh, made me a couple of them went to pick them up they were awful they stank of smoke had an absolute nightmare trying to find anywhere oh dear. Um, but actually through friends and talking to people um someone gave me some contact details of a factory in china and that's where i first started getting them made um which was a little bit scary because i i'd gone on, how do you to see <laughs> You, I, I'm a big fan of Dragon's Den, and you see people okay. saying, oh, I'm getting some stuff made in China. What do you do? Do you just phone up China and say, <laughs> you, you get the number of a factory and say, could you make this for me? How does that work? Well, interestingly enough, it, it all happened on email. It right. was kind of, hi, I've got this idea. Um, I can send you some samples of products that don't actually do what i want them to do and here's some measurements of what i want made and then they make you some samples yeah but the difference in china is that where where i was kind of with the lady in the bedroom in milton Keynes, i was thinking i'll get a few made yeah you know i'll try it out see if people are going to buy them um and then china say well if you want to buy them from us it's a thousand in each color and you're like <laughs> uh, right okay that's so a commitment to make i want to do black i want to do white that's two thousand am i going to sell any of these things mm. um so i just had to kind of have the confidence really and think well i think it's a good idea i've spoken to lots of mums out there yeah. they think it's a good idea i worked out how many i'd need to sell to break even and even if the rest of them went in the skip <laughs> but actually they didn't you know they and you sold, sold thousands i sold thousand and i've i'm now on factory number four wow. i'm back making them in the uk again um, which i'm really proud of and how you how do you sell them have you got a website or are you, are you have you got a stall somewhere a shop um, taking I've, them on now i've got a website um myself um but i've also got about 15 stockists right. so the nct sell them so national okay, Child yep. trust they've got them on their website um and a number of other independent retailers well let's have a plug for the website that would okay. be rude, rude not to www.bellbelly.co.uk 
www.bellbelle.co.uk. Okay. And it's <laughs> Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Yeah. Okay. And you're helping other mums with business ideas now. That's my, that's my plan, yeah. I'm helping a number of people sort of local to me, um, but I want to move into, into that, that area as well. So helping other people get their ideas to market and mm. also come up with the ideas in the first place. Oh, man, I wish I could come up with ideas. <laughs> I'm so not an ideas person. And you see things like that or whatever you go, oh, yeah, that's so, so obvious. Yeah. And that's when you know it's a good idea, when it's like, oh, yeah, I, I could yeah. have thought of well, that. Well, the number of people that said to me, I can't believe that hasn't done, been done before, and you yep. think, well, that is a sign of a good idea. Then. Give us the website one more time. Okay, it's bell, uh, sorry, www.bellbelly.co.uk. Are you celebrate? How old are your kids now? Uh, five and three. So are, are you going to be celebrating New Year's, or are you going to... Well, we're sort of doing a, a, a kind of early celebration, so right. they'll probably be in bed sort of nine, ten o'clock, so late night for them, yep. and then we'll sort of see if we can stay up the extra two hours to midnight. So three, <laughs> three and one, mine are going to be next month, so I'm just... I'll, I'll be yeah. in bed by eight. <laughs> and also they get up early, so yeah. you can't have too much of a late Well, night. doing this job, I don't have to get up with them. My wife has the, the <laughs> joy, shall we say, of getting up with both the boys in, early in the morning. Thank you so much for coming in. Not at all. But Thank best you of luck. Me. Sell lots of more. That's uh, Katrina Blunt, uh, Bell Belly, if you want to go and have a look at that. Uh, 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Bradley Wiggins, Sir Bradley Wiggins. Um, I think it's a, it's a joke that he's been given. Uh, listen, top bloke, great cyclist, great athlete, wonderful ambassador, Sir Bradley Wiggins. Well, some of you are quite angry about this. Some of the staff at BBC Three Counties Radio are quite angry about this as well. Political correspondent Paul Scoynes has actually called in. <laughs> good. Paul, good morning. <laughs> morning, Ian. You're, can I just uh, say, you're not being paid for this phone no, call either. This I'm is, not. This is, this is gratuitous. This is your own free time, and uh, you, you, you're offended by me, me, me saying that, that uh, Wiggins should not be knighted. Well, I think for the very reasons you've just given there, it are entirely the reason why he should be knighted. You know, the, 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 the Tour de France is the hardest sporting event in the world. I think it's everyone sort of recognises it. I know it's a team sport insofar that you couldn't do it on your own. It's not as tough as the, the Ironman Challenge it's, or the World's Strongest Man. It's, it's significantly tougher. It's a bike ride through France, Paul. It's, it's a really long bike it's ride. It's a nice... It's a holiday. It's... It, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, it is a holiday of sorts, but it, it's, a, it's a hard holiday. You know, it's one of those holidays that <laughs> you kind of don't want to take again. Yes. Okay. But it, no, I think, I think, you know, aside from the fact that he's, he's done what no other Briton has done in yep. winning the Tour de France, he's in the same year as well won three of the great French uh, and Belgium classic races, which, which has not been done again by a Briton. In fact, he's yep. won one of them twice. He's won the Olympic time trial. You know, he's 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 also you know uh, you don't get gone for being sports personality of the, year, of the year. But the reason you win sports personality of the year is that you have that sort of impact on the general public. And, it, and let's not forget the honours list isn't just about. I mean, it is also you know an important recognition of your um, contribution to your sport. Uh, but a knighthood, Paul. A knighthood. He is Sir Bradley Wiggins, an MBE, an OBE. Yeah, sure. A knighthood. Yeah, but, okay, but uh, that is a, a recognition, if you like, of the fact that he has done something there was a entirely fella. significant I that no one has done before. Okay, here's something. I had a fella on Five Live the other night. He was 94 years old, right? He worked at Bletchley. Mm. Uh, he was part of the team that, according to Eisenhower, shortened the war by two years and saved 20 million lives. He's 94. He got an MBE for that work. Yeah. Well, how, do you, how do you correlate that and compare that with Wiggins getting a knighthood for riding a bike? Yeah, but, okay, you can't. 
Well, so I've won. So I've won that argument. Well, you haven't because. Well, no, I have. Well, if you're going to compare, that's not that's like comparing apples with laptops. You just can't do the same. It, it's it. I mean, you could argue absolutely he should have become a knight, but you can then argue as well that the honor system needs a kind of overhaul. It needs reform because ultimately, if you're a cabinet um, it, or if you're a, a, a civil servant and you do your job well, you almost certainly get a, a gong at some point in your career. Now, you know, we don't do we don't get that. People who are driving ambulances don't get that. So you could sort of argue that the whole system needs a bit of reform. However, and I'm going to try and argue the case here, that you can say that that person shortened the war by two years, of course. You, that they deserve recognition of that. They probably should get a knighthood for that. Turing should probably have been knighted, but instead he was vilified for his sexuality. Um, Bradley Wiggins has made thousands, if not millions, of people get on their bikes, including myself. Uh, and, and you know from my own figure that I'm hardly a, an Olympic cyclist. I, I think the way that he has turned the people's eyes towards the sport, and you could argue that you know other cyclists like Mark Cavendish, who's been uh, given gongs in the past, have done that. He, he has changed the face of, of cycling. He's made Thank you, Paul. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. I do feel very bad about fading down Paul Scoyne's our political reporter. Let's hope uh, he's calmed down by the time I see him next. Coming up, before 9am, we'll have our version of the 12 Days of Christmas. Today, we have 11 pipers piping and 12 drummers drumming. It's going to be hellish, but fun. Let's get the weather now with Kate Kinsella. The good news is it will start... Ah! Sorry, there's a mouse just run past me in my studio. Sorry about that. Um, Kate, are you, are you OK there? Yes, I'm fine. It's just the, the unique way in which this studio is run. There is a mouse. Well, how big was the mouse? It was actually quite big. Where, where is the mouse now, Kate? <laughs> it's just... Where is it, Kate? It's literally just in front of me, walking across the ISDN. <laughs> is, is there is there a, a book or a block of wood They're near you? I'm killing it. Why? Because it's... It's a mouse. It's a it's mouse. Not, it's not it a dog. It's a mess for a star. Okay, well, can, do you think you can carry on with the rest of the weather? Oh, it's quite sweet, actually. Bless it. Um, oh, yes, of course Sex. I can. I just want to keep an eye on where it's going. Okay. Um, yes, this persistent rain will continue as we head through this morning. That is your forecast, along with the mouse. I'm running away now. Thank you very much, Kate. <laughs> Wow. Is this show actually going out on the radio today, or what? Well, I've, I've, the studio has been overrun by all kinds of things. We will explain more in a second. Uh, Dennis is in Luton. Good morning, Dennis. Sorry, I'm in Dunstable, the better part of Luton. Uh, let's, uh, let's start out again. <laughs> Dennis is in Dunstable. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning to you. What, what, what can I do for you? Well, that lady who got an award for an unmade bed at the, at the Tate, I, I've, been, I've been doing this for 60 years. Conceptual, I don't add it. I just throw things out and it, it forms something and it agrees with me. Unfortunately, what? my wife is an art critic. Because ah. she keeps coming up and destroying that thing I've just created. Oh, man. And then she says to me, right, you won't get a, a knighthood. You get... Uh, a BN in front of your name. And I said, well, she said, well, I don't think Dennis is a good name for an artist. I think we ought to call you Bo. So I said, that's nice, Bo. She said, yeah, but it means Bo Nidal. Oh, Dennis, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, Dennis, are you going to be celebrating New Year's Eve? 
Well, I celebrate every day. At my age, every day is a New Year's Day. <laughs> well, there you go, you see. That's you wake something. up in the morning, you, you're still alive, it's a new day, you know. So, uh, and, and Dennis, you heard um, uh, Paul Scoynes, the political reporter, uh, yes. desperately trying to defend Bradley Wiggins being knighted. No, I'm sorry. He had all sorts of things given to him. I don't think it's knighthood. It, it's beginning to be ridiculous. People from abroad think, oh, blimey, anybody can be a sir. Mm. No, it's, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's been... It's the politicians, of course. Dennis, if, if, if the Queen gave you one, would you grab it with both hands? Uh, would I grab it with both hands? I might have to stagger up. If I had to kneel down, I'd never get back up again. That's the problem, isn't it, these days? <laughs> Dennis and Dunstable, thank you very much indeed. Now, it's time for our version of the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, it's our version because we've taken a slight artistic licence to pick and choose which days were our favourite and put them wherever we please. Today, we've got 11 pipers piping and 12 drummers drumming. To represent them, we've got some ladies and gentlemen from the Harpenden Pipe Band. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How, uh, who's, who's in charge? Who's the boss? No, so Let's move this microphone up here a little bit. What's your name, sir? Stephen Marshall. Stephen, oh, no microphone. Ollie, I'm going to send you around there to put the microphone near Stephen. We have the, the, you've seen the uh, push your way past everybody here. We, this is all very, uh, very exciting. Uh, Stephen, tell us about the the, the, the band. Where, where is it from and how has it started? Uh, we're based in Harpingham, South Down Trust Hall. We use on a Friday night for practice. It was started years ago um, by uh, Bob Rennick. Um, group of people got together. I start. I joined in 2000, 99, 2000. Yeah, and it's grown from there. You're you're a young man. No, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, I'm being polite. You're you're a relatively young man. What are you doing playing playing the bagpipes? I've been playing for thirty years. Really? Yeah. How old were you when you started? Twenty. Good. <laughs> what, why did you get into it? It's, it's an odd instrument, isn't it? It's not a particularly popular instrument. To, my to granddad learn. was a black watch piper. Right. In the twenties. Yeah. Uh, my uncle plays pipes, and it's sort of like gone from there. And family live in Glasgow. So I love the pipes, but there are some people who go, oh, yeah. I, I think the pipes, and they play well, fantastic, fantastic instrument. Now listen, young man, come over here, come over here. Look, don't be shy, come on, we've got a young person here. What's your name? Um, my name's Gus. Gus? Yeah. And how old are you, Gus? I'm going to guess. You are 22 years old. No, I'm eight. Eight years old, that was going to be my next <laughs> guess, I was so close to it. And Gus, you're playing, uh, you've got a drum there, what got you into playing drums? Um, well, my mum and dad play the bagpipes, right. and then... They said, maybe you should start joining the drums, so mm. I joined the drums. I would imagine being an eight-year-old boy and being allowed to play the drums at home and make as much noise as you want, that's got to be pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's got to be pretty cool. Listen, should we have a little... You're going to play us something, I'm hoping. Yeah. You just turn up with your instruments, but you're rude not to. Gus, if you take your position, uh, let's... Uh, you've got to warm up, I guess. Listen to me, I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. They're all blowing. They're all blowing They're intently. All yeah. Not been in the studio. Uh, let's stop that joke there, shall we, before we get the sack. Right. In your own time, ladies and gentlemen, away you go. One, two. Oh, come on, I'll have some of that. I'm a little bit deaf, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm sat in between all of that, and it's, it's certainly done something for my tinnitus. That was fantastic. Are you a bit out of breath now? Is it, is it, you, you're feeling good? Yeah. Gus, Gus, come back over. You're my favourite. Come on, come on, check it out. Seriously. That was, was, was that, <laughs> we'll, we'll get the plug out in a minute, don't worry. Was that good? Did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, it was very, you know, good. And How often do you practice? Uh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. Do you find the practice a little bit boring sometimes? Because I'll be honest, everybody else is quite old. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're quite young. I just find it 
okay when I practice at home. Okay, and so you and you can so talk to them about like Nintendos and and things like that, and they chip in with the conversation, do they? Uh, normally. No. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, send you around again, Ollie, if you wouldn't mind, just so that uh, with the microphone, so that uh, Stephen can have a little chat. You, you're looking. If people want to get involved uh, with the with the group, the band, what, how do they get in touch? Uh, Harping and Pipe Band website, harpingandpipeband.co.uk. Yep. Um, on there, you can get in contact with me if you want to learn. I teach. Um, I've got people on the go at the moment I'm teaching. How long is it, listen, if we had more time, I'd have a go, but we're running out of time. How long does it take to learn th- 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 to play the pipes? From scratch, yeah. between three and five years. Ah, busy. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, you see. And are you looking for anyone in particular? I heard that you need drummers. Anybody. That, anybody. Anybody can come along and join in. Yeah. We will teach. We've got people. Hogmanay tonight. Oh, yes. I'm boycotting the whole thing. I really, I don't know if you heard, I can't be bothered with it. But I'm guessing for a piping band, it's, it's a big deal, is it? Oh, big deal. Whereabouts yeah. are you tonight? I'm at the Thistle Hotel in St Albans. Lovely. And then travelling around. Are you killed? You're not kilted up? Do you kilt up? Yes. Traditional? Oh, yes. Good lad. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I did a, a friend's wedding a few years ago, and we all kilted up. And traditional, there's something very free about... Uh, traditional isn't there oh yes <laughs> it's, it's good fun <laughs> listen thank you so much for coming in gus excellent work i really enjoyed that i thought you were you were by far the best out of the entire group <laughs> well done everybody that was superb listen i think we managed to stagger our way through that show uh, oh is there a website by the way harpingandpipeband.co.uk beautiful there we go i think we managed to stagger our way through that show just about and uh, managed to get away with it uh, i will be back tomorrow don't worry d- d- maybe a little bit slicker than today i'm not quite sure it's been one of the, the the weirdest shows in a long time look i can see the pipers next door getting ready to have their photograph taken we've had someone libeling sir bruce forsyth we've had a mouse in the weather studio We've had all kinds of nonsense. We've had two old people arguing. Been wonderful. Back tomorrow for more of the same. David Preeve is up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.